if there's anything retributive about something like this, uh, it's not going to work. If there's anything that's crusading about something like this, it's not going to work. Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo, and I'm here with James Heathers from CypherSkin. James, I just saw that you were on a panel at the Computational Research Integrity Conference. What is this conference? What did you talk about? Well, I talked about computational research integrity, Daniel. Ah, I talked. I talk. This is, I, I wish, I wish I had more time to be involved in uh, a conference like this. Um, I'm sandwiched, but I was. Uh, uh, in full grant writing mode until uh, very, very late last night, um, which means I'm shattered now, wasn't available yesterday, and all the work I should have done over the past week is uh, uh, something that I have to finish today and tomorrow. So a good good time. I mean, I'll definitely make time for a panel on something like that, but you're asking me what a conference is about and I can't go to it, and it's killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. What, I'm what just was, trying to hang on. What was the panel on? Well, the the panel um, was myself and Jennifer Byrne, for, uh, the author of the Blasted Tool, Seek and Blast, and Amit Chowdhury, who's done some really interesting work in uh, image uh, manipulation detection. And I was talking about all our tools, myself and the erstwhile Dr. Brown, uh, and everything that we've done. Everything that they've done is substantially more computational and a lot cooler than everything I've done. Um, <laughs> but we've done an, we've we've done it we've done enough of it that uh, people occasionally ask me for my opinion. Um, it's good, good, good panel. Um, it's a it's a shame. I always wish that for a Q and A session, and anyone who's out there who organises a conference, I'd seriously consider this. Send round a short amount of stimulus material for the panel itself and a description and then open the taps and just let everyone ask questions right from the get. Mm. Because, I mean, I tried to, I, I, I got my seven-minute introduction was eight and a half minutes because I'm not really capable of like, super following the clock. Like one single digression and you blow your time um, and everyone else goes a bit over and suddenly your hour for talking to people is turned into 20 minutes. And I want to talk to the people who turned up. That's the benefit of, I mean, you've got to take digital rather than in-person things have got benefits. And one of them is it's a lot easier to facilitate a discussion with 80 people because you've got the possibility of doing synchronous and asynchronous stuff without people standing up and fucking queuing up behind microphones like clowns and the rest of that. So I, I I prefer heckling from the cheap seats. If I'm capable of it myself, why would I deny that pleasure to others, you know? We, in this episode, are going to talk about something which, uh, a bit of a bit of a brouhaha, uh, which came up about a week or two ago, and this was in relation to this transparency leaderboard, which was proposed by Curate Science, 
And essentially, this curate leaderboard collects the results of a so-called transparency audit for a body of research. And in this example, they were doing it for 10 researchers. And to give you a bit of background, in case you didn't uh, you didn't catch this, there was three components which made up the scores for this leaderboard. Firstly, are your articles open access? And I think it's important to say that this isn't a preprint or an author accepted manuscript does not count in this leaderboard. A preprint doesn't count. No, not no, not not for the leaderboard. <laughs> okay, go on. It has to be an open access article. Second bit, open data um, with exceptions for confidentiality reasons. And third, basic disclosures. So this includes competing interests. Um, and they use PLOS's policies for what constitutes a competing interest, which is sensible, and whether you declare your funding sources. And so, yeah, instead of looking at individual papers, authors are rated on their body of work and you're assigned a, a rating, which is a percentage of your articles that fulfill these three transparency categories. And if less than half of your articles reaches criteria, then you do not meet the curate science transparency standard. So, for, for instance, if your work gets audited, then you are given the opportunity to check and verify the results. And there was an interesting thread on Twitter with one of the researchers saying that, hey, I, I actually, I'm on the leaderboard and I was contacted to to do this. And <laughs> I never agreed to it, but it took me a lot of time uh, to, to, or took my students a lot of time to verify this. So essentially, this first leaderboard was, I think it was 10 researchers, more of a, a pilot example, but the website mentions they will be beginning random audits soon on researchers. And um, yeah, so there was a lot of talk on Twitter about this. And I now that I've laid it out there, I want to get your initial thoughts on this transparency leaderboard, James. How many times have you been asked to comment on this since this whole flaming shit show happened, Dan? A lot of times, both privately and also hers. We got a lot of requests both publicly and also with DM going, are you going to talk about this thing? Yeah, what well, it shows how organized I mean, I don't get any requests to talk about it on the podcast. Well, I've been asked for my opinion uh, four times that I can remember. Look. Let me let me start with a, a basic principle of how to do a thing in public space, right? When you want to do a community initiative where you roll in, you expect people to get interested or you expect other people to give you money and you hope that you gain some kind of momentum, that momentum is social, Yeah. If everyone agrees it's a good idea, and academics are two things in general. One, legendarily hidebound when it comes to systems uh, and the way that their work is structured. The legacy hangover within a lot of areas of academia uh, is substantial, much bigger than many other places. The second thing they are is contentious. Anything comes up, and a lot of the time people tell you exactly where they can shove it. So, I mean, yeah, tough crowd. And what that means is everything I just said goes double. If you release something and everyone tells you it's shit, it's shit by definition. Yeah? 
that's a, you, you can't you can't get away from it. it doesn't matter if you like them it doesn't matter if you agree with them if you, if you say i'm going to start a social movement and everyone in the social throws a half brick at you and then goes to hide behind the showers it's not going to work full stop head of story so let's start with the fact that when you do that and it's ineffective and you want it to work why do you want it to work is it because it's supposed to be helpful for everyone? Or is it a little bit more like each of greens? I feel like this is a good idea, so it needs to happen. Right? And again, I'm going to reiterate it because it bears repeating. If you're trying to do a community initiative and the community doesn't like it, it isn't a good initiative. Okay. Have we got that out of the way? I mean, that that is it's it's so bone idle, fucking obvious. You don't get to you don't get to to double down. I mean, unless it's unless we talk unless we're talking about something that's rigidly empirical, you don't get to double down on. Well, I think it's a good idea. It's <laughs> you're asking asking people to participate, you're asking people to identify with it. You're asking for a lot of of uh, a collective time, maybe small amounts per person, but a great amount in aggregate. People will do that if it's explained to them properly. It seems like it's delivered with the right intent. Whether or not it is any of these things is a separate question. Whether or not it feels like it's designed for a good reason. So that leads you to, and I saw a lot of people throwing rocks at this. I mean, some of it I didn't even understand. But like I said, until uh, half past one last night, I've been on grant time. A grand time means the grant exists and everything down to my other per, uh, personal hygiene factors doesn't. And so a lot of people get the absolute flaming, screaming shits with how this was handled. Why? You tell me. You're going to have a better idea. People don't like the idea that they are getting audited on criteria that they never agreed to in the first place. Well, so like the ref framework. Or like the, uh, um, like the Australian University Academic Journal ranking thing where you split journals up into tiers depending on how popular the government thinks they are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no one no one agreed to that or and the, no one necessarily agrees factor. to what... Yeah, or the, that, or, that, that too. Or alt metrics. I don't like the way that... I don't like, I don't like any of these things. You know that. I actively dislike any and any and all attempt to metricize stuff. I mean, oh, but some of it's necessary past a certain point. Doesn't mean I have to like it. Fuck off. But the difference is you never signed up for these things. But if you're applying for a grant, which you've been doing, part of that is uh, agreeing to a certain set of conditions. Most grant agencies will actually have an actual audit. This is typically a financial audit, but also an audit of uh, did you do or are you doing what you say you were going to yeah, do? Yeah, which are, which are in the TNCs of the thing that you sign. After they agree to give you the money, it's part of a negotiation. Yeah, of course. But you know before you actually start doing your research that this is what you agreed to. And although people might not enjoy the the, the time taken to actually run these sort of audits, you're just going to go, "Hey, that is what something that I have to do, and it's something that I agreed to." But the difference here is that these people, uh, or pe- people, are worried that they're going to be uh, <laughs> they're going to be audited on these standards that they didn't agree to. And I think time and time again, we've come back to the same thing in that somebody takes 
something which is or may be standard in one field or one subfield, but doesn't necessarily apply to different fields. And one thing which I find really puzzling is the fact, and, and you sort of picked up on this as well, is that preprints are not considered open access articles or author accepted manuscripts are not considered um, open access articles. And already well, you've got only, a situation- It's only OA published. Well, that's a- I mean, you, frankly, you're going to end up the class distinction on that. And also, let's, let's say you audit me. What are you going to do with all my preprints? What are you going to do with all, with all my preprints that are opened by definition where the data yeah, is exactly. available? It doesn't count. So I get I get no open I get no open credit for full tra- zero full, mate full zero tra- percent full transparency <laughs> data available code available preprints. Uh, some some of some of which have. I don't know, fucking dozens or a hundred or something citations. So they don't count now. Yeah, and it's more more transparent than than other articles. Of course, it's fucking so transparent. Obviously, like you said, if, if you do work on anything critical, and obviously I'm talking about critical stuff that I've done, like you don't have choice. There's I absolutely no option. I mean, if I did that, I mean, think about think about error detection. That's that's got some not particularly tenuous connection with what auditing consists of. You're turning up unwanted. Um, you know, picking picking over someone's stuff against their will. I mean, in general, they're at a minimum they've made a, a colossal error of calculation. We don't need to go through the laundry list of the things we've found that eventually turned out to be really problematic. But I mean, you see, you see a sort of natural parallel between these two things, yeah. But when you when you do that, you've got to have really good question, really good ability to ask in the first place. So there's a few things I did pick up on this that I really don't understand. One is, why does this take a, why does this take a long time? I feel like I, I could do, I mean, there was only, there's a, like a dozen researchers, right? And there was a few, like 10, 20 papers that they did, right? I feel like you, uh, like one person working really hard could could reproduce the whole thing in a day. Well, one part of it is partly automated. There is actually an R package we can which can go through and see whether you have reported some sort of um, conflict of interest well, statement. But I mean, that, that if is it's, if it's that easy, right? Rather than picking specific people, why didn't they just start with Ardvark and go down? Why would you? Why would you choose people? Some someone's already done that in terms of conflict of interest. Oh, there was um How yeah, but I mean, look, yeah, but th- they wanted to do a. This was more of a proof of concept. This is what the leaderboard looks like. For they obviously picked people which were which were prominent within. This is very psychology centric, but prominent within psychology to go. These are the people that you know. And for these people that you probably know, these are the metrics for these people. Okay, well, yeah, but um, here's the other thing. You choose a dozen papers, right? I mean, are they a dozen papers in the last five years? I would bet they were pretty yes. different for a dozen papers in the last 10 years and a dozen papers in the last 40 years. So it's, so it's supposed to be an accurate reflection of right now, going back a certain number of years. Yeah, and look, it, it, they, they picked this five-year threshold, but it right, doesn't necessarily years, right. reflect- it doesn't reflect that different research fields have different timescales. What about longitudinal research, where you bloody submitted your ethics ten years ago, and you're and you're and you're following a 
a, a, a cohort of kids, you you can't go back. Look, I think this is one of the main issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't go back in time. Yeah, you get your, you get your TARDIS and you go back and you prepare a separate set of forms, and that's what you change. I think that is one of the biggest issues here. Is let's go back to this um, grant funding institution issue where they they might say, hey, part of our condition is that you post your articles online, and then they find out you're not doing it. And then they say, hey, you're not doing the thing and you can easily address it and, and, and you, you can address the I- issue. Same sort of thing with people that aren't complying with clinical trial registries. If someone or an organization notices you're not doing that, then you go and you change that thing. But the problem with this is that you are being marked on a thing that you did five years ago that you cannot change. You can't go back and address this. All I mean, right, okay, it's very on, difficult. Hang on, hang on. You said you can't go back and address this. Right. Then why did you say that case before? I said we'd come back to this. Why did you say that case before? It took someone who didn't agree to participate a ton of time. Why would it take you any time at all? You get an email no, and you go, good. okay, well, have fun. Um, and then someone goes through and evaluates everything that's available. Right? No. So the, the reason that I say it took time is that somebody did the audit and then they emailed the researcher going, we did this audit. Um, and we would like to give you the opportunity to um, oh, to check the veracity really? of our audit. Yeah, and then and then what happened was, according to the researcher, they said they were told if they didn't comply, that would be at the bottom of the the leaderboard, mm. which is yeah, well, okay, that was so, very so, chilling. Like, it's yeah, I mean, look. I know a lot of people don't think like me, but my even 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 if there's obviously aims in here that are very aligned with shit, like everything we've talked about over the last four years. Honestly, my first impulse would be to say, fuck your leaderboard. No, I, I, I'm not. I don't. I don't want to play. Like, put put me on a piece of toast and call me a poached egg. Put me last on the fucking thing, because that looks coercive. Yeah. And pres- okay, so I think I've just answered my own question. So presumably that work, when you say oh, it takes a lot of work, was like going and providing new COI statements, or I mean, how do you no, even no, get no. those it's, into it, journals? Exactly. No. What I'm saying, work. The the work is verifying what the audit came up with. So it might Why say for this paper. People do, but hey, like people, James, people aren't like you, believe it or not. Dan, so, I'm well, I'm well, I'm well aware of that. It's just sort of, uh, I mean, you, you look the 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 time taken was checking the the time taken was checking whether <clears throat> whether anything that report that was reported in terms of the COI or the fact that there's no open data or there's no good reason for open data is is accurate so what they do is they give you the opportunity to potentially correct what they did in their audit it's an effort to include the researcher to make sure that there's no errors that's what i'm talking about when it says that it takes time for the researcher and that's what one of the researchers um recounted on it's only, uh, it's only, it's online. only a dozen papers how long is it going to take you to check that yeah, yeah. i mean it's pe- people are busy so oh hang yeah. on was it the opportunity to no? But you, you can't up, you can't upload a preprint. I, I don't I don't I don't I yeah. don't understand. Thing, yeah. I don't understand. Well, look, if you obviously no one, everyone resents you making work for them. Um, yeah, my experience with error detection has taught me anything. That everyone <laughs> resents you making work for them, uh, honest or otherwise. Usually, fucking otherwise. Um, 
Yeah, and you can't fix any of these things. You can't you can't make make your article it open feels, access. You it can't. It feels like with a completely different framework. This like something like this is, is perfectly straightforward. I mean, the the thing is is like what are you what are you adding that people don't know? It's just assigning a value to the the researcher. It's it's. I mean, I know everyone's big into kind of social castigation these days, but it it feels like. I mean, it would only be normative if you managed to do something like this with a lot of people within a subfield. You know, you think about how, how much how much this stuff changes between uh, clinical research and non-clinical research, between life science research and social science research. Um, you remember when we had Chris Jackson on? And he said, "I can't release any of my data because it all belongs to fucking Exxon." Yeah. And like we had to ask them nicely for geological data in the first place. We can't give away their survey results. It could affect their share price. It could be picked up by Shell. It's proprietary stuff. Now, he's he's a very genuine guy who's very committed to excellent research practices. And I get the impression that if you open data, scored fucking whatever, audit him, he'd get a zero. Hmm. But then the other thing is all the other geologists were getting a zero as well. Yeah? <laughs> so the field, yeah. Seismologists probably wouldn't, because as far as I'm aware, a lot of that data a lot of that data comes from government sources. Right? So you just say, I downloaded it from here. You don't even need to put the data up yourself. You just give people a fucking link and a bunch of parameters. So open code would be a lot more important than actual open data. So, look, this is something something like this. It, it, it only becomes normative. It only has any sense of in, intrinsic fairness when you don't start twisting people's arms behind their back and when you do it to a whole bunch of people. Um, it, just, it, just, it just feels fucking lazy to, to choose a dozen. Obviously, you want to lead a social movement. You know, bring, bring everyone. Look, you can, you, can, you can see. This is one of those really frustrating things where you can see. If you change the kind of if you swap well most of the parameters out, frankly, the fact that it could work in some context. How? Sorry. How do you think? How do you think this could work? What would you change? Um, well, I'd have uh, I, I wouldn't be choosing individual people to to make sure that the thing hit and splashed. That feels. I mean, it, it feels it feels targeted. Um, is I mean, because it it is. How do you how do you pick them? Um. You, you you probably don't want to start with you probably don't want to start with but you want to start with normative observations across the whole thing not sort of okay so it's you you over there Terry Terry your practice is a shit according to a definition that I, I don't really like either so I'm going to see your fish looking lips about to move give me a second um, the, the other thing is I, I don't know why I mean, look, presumably it's a resource thing and it takes time and money. But something something like this, it's gotta be it's gotta be at least somewhat automated. You need you need a you need a lot of data before it's pooled. You need a, a, a lot of a lot of data before it's informative. Otherwise you're picking like ten papers from the lady down the road and then you're breaking her kneecaps over something she may not have been able to control. So you know what I mean, you're coming out trying to make a splash. I suppose. I mean, I understand the where it's coming from, but I mean, I saw so much. 
there's so much chat about it. Everyone, everyone lost them. Everyone lost their mind. Obviously, look, there's there's a lot of perceptions about this. Is the problem with giving everything a name and turning it into a fucking club? We can't just have practices and ideas. Everyone has to get little hats and and rally behind behind the center of an idea. You know, and the moment you, you have, the moment you have a tendency within that, everything goes to shit. That's why George Carlin used to say, "I loathe and despise the groups that people belong to." You know, love people, hate it when they form a club. Had a point. Um, look, it's not honestly. It's I. I also don't know. Like, what's it? What's it trying to solve? Is it just trying to get oxygen on? But I mean, this is. It's also. It's also something with a great deal of collective attention. You know. Is the paper open access? It's a it's a fucking fifteen year argument about like whether or not things should or shouldn't be open access, and then you cut out the only decent innovation in the last sort of five to ten years when it comes to getting people access to shit that they paid for. You always strategize things like this in your head once you get past the idea that it didn't work. Or how could it work? But honestly, what it it really it really comes down to like anything anything like this is the product of consensus building. It's a product of lots of other people thinking it's a good idea. Yeah, go out, canvas people, convince them. A lot of the times it's not really about the center of the idea. There's probably a, a lot of ways to do most of the alleged innovations that we've had within the ability to pr- produce variable shit and put it in digital space. But it's all about people. And if you want to change it, you have to start with consensus building. You drop it like a hot rock and you point it at someone. I mean, this is... I I don't want to sound like a fucking hypocrite because obviously I've done that with people. <laughs> done that with like long published histories of papers that I think, frankly, are not built from real data. There's people who are, you know, in, in, in some very straightforward sense, actually doing fraud. Uh, financial or otherwise. So it is. It is hard. It is hard to do anything like this. And if you can't get out of your own way when you try and do it, it's going to be a problem, right? If there's anything, because I mean, people will sniff that out eventually. If there's anything retributive about something like this, uh, it's not going to work. If there's anything that's crusading about something like this, it's not going to work. You're not actually offering people anything that they can have except a, a thing that has. Uh, I mean, if you if you do well, I mean, you're offering them a neg. Well, you're not offering them a negative proposition. Well, don't get in trouble according to me because you haven't done a thing. You know. What do you give them if they do well? A fucking badge? A little hat? A badge. Yeah? A badge and a widget. A widget, yeah, do, James. Do, 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 you, do you get mailed a, the, the copy of the latest Daniel Boone paperback? You know? Do you, do you get $5 <laughs> off at Bed Bath & Beyond? It's like you, it's, it's, it's a, so participating, presumably, you know, like being in it is an exercise in avoiding criticism. I mean, read the fucking room. Everyone's pretty trashed. 
like in general, there's a big sort of wet blanket fog of fatigue and general shittiness that's descended over everything, in case you hadn't noticed. I was sitting here, Dan, uh, back in Boston this afternoon, uh, and there's a neighbor with a leaf blower, and I have these fantasies about going out and sticking it in his mouth and and <laughs> and inflating him like the like the, the the blueberry girl from Willy Wonka um you know and then poking him with a hat pin seeing whether or not he pops and i was sitting here thinking holy fuck when quarantine started last march and spring was just breaking in the us i was sitting on this couch being angry with that guy making that fearsome racket while everyone's trying to work from home you know, you don't even have that many leaves. He's probably quicker with a rake. Yeah. Right. And I realized that that was a fucking year ago. It's it's really not a good time to put lit matches under people's fingernails. If you're liking what you're hearing, there are a few ways that you can support the work that we do when everything hurts. First, you can throw some of your spare change to us each month, $5 to be exact, and you'll get access to a bonus episode every single month. There's also a $1 tier that will get you access to the Everything Hurts newsletter and the occasional bonus episode. Second, we've got a merch store where we sell hoodies, shirts, and coffee mugs, which is our most popular thing that we sell, so you can tell everyone that you listen to the best science podcast in the world. Third, you can tell your friends about the show by sharing links to episodes on social media. James and I love seeing these posts. The links to our Patreon page and merch store, check out the show notes. Do you think this would work if this was done on an institutional level or a journal level? Okay, you do it on an institutional level. Uh, I, well, I mean, they've they've, they've all got the uh, the similar kind of basket of um a similar kind of basket of disciplines and, and areas. Um, I think it's going to be fucking flat Stanley unless you have a, a a couple of places that are significantly more in support of something than otherwise. There's probably also going to be a lot of differences between countries because there are people who can just afford to pay open access fees. Yeah, the open access stuff. Um, yeah. So, I mean, all you're really reproducing is the kind of knock-on effects of the problem that some people have money and some people don't. Some people work in open open areas where uh, sharing everything is normal and encouraged and other people don't. You're just saying, well, that already sucks. Let's see it again from a different angle. You know? It's like walking around a car crash to get it in three-quarter and quarter profile. It's like, stop taking fucking photos and see if anyone in there is bleeding. I think it also is an issue for people who don't have as much power within science. So, if your article was up there, if you were audited, let's say, and you were seventh author on an article, and there's not much you can do, especially if you're an early career researcher when it comes to speaking with uh, the, the, the senior researcher going, hey, why isn't this data open? This leaderboard exacerbates issues with people that cannot afford open access. But one other area in which it also exacerbates inequalities is early career, early career researchers who don't necessarily have a big say in how research is conducted, both in terms of, um, of, of, op- of, of open data or controlling. Uh, I mean, what happens if 
uh, researcher number or author number two doesn't declare her conflicts of interest, yet author number three is getting penalised for that. When people think about COIs as an issue, they don't think about the third author who's a part-time graduate student just so happens to work down the road in some capacity against women and whatever. We're talking about moneyed interests generally. Yeah? We're talking about memberships of societies that are you know, not evidence-based. So say you were doing something, I mean, oh, there's, a, there's there's all this fuss in the US recently, this I did see, uh, about this uh, lad, he looked like someone had tumble-dried an Amish, scruffy-looking beard, head with all funny angles in it, really weird-looking guy, went to a fucking series of massage parlors and shot them up, right? Uh, and then everyone went, oh, he was sexually frustrated. As if that's, as if that's a fuck. <laughs> in, a, in an area where if you're single, you've been sitting in your house for the last year, afraid to go out to a bar and talk to people because um, of the death. And um, and this guy's sexually frustrated. Oh, fuck me. So if you were a member of the, oh, no, that's perfectly okay, all of this makes sense, uh, pornography is destroying the fabric of reality itself. Uh, and it's freezing the oceans like ice nine, uh, and it's going to blot out the sun for some reason. If you're a member of that society, and you just so happen to be uh, publishing uh, empirical data that just so happened to show that that was a good idea, you'd want to know, right? And these people came out of the woodwork when something like this happens, you know. And they they have they said there's there's little associations of people who believe a whole variety of things that are not supported by evidence broadly. So you 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 want to you want to know that, right? And you want to know about money. Um you don't want to you you know done with those uh, the funny but 100% true conflict of interest statements is basically my conflict of interest is the fact that uh, maybe I won't get tenure if you don't publish this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um so that's we we'll leave that to one side. That's some great example of someone who put that in all his papers. That's very funny um, because that's that's the biggest fucking conflict of interest at all. This stuff doesn't yeah. continue to exist. Um, Not even just an intellectual conflict I of interest. I won't paid or promoted. Oh, here's a good conflict of interest statement for you, Dan. Fifteen years ago, I came up with this idea on a whim. It's unaccountably popular. The grad student who actually did all the work has left years ago and now I'm forced to defend it because I find myself publicly identified as its intellectual godfather. That's a good COI for you. I bet there's a few, That COI uh, there's, would yeah, be on I, so many papers. There's, there's, a few, there's a few people in the social sciences who would walk the fuck away from things that they came up with if you just said, look, no harm, no foul. If your whole career is yeah. built around an idea... Uh, that is just cockamamie bullshit and, frankly, you're sick of it and you, you're fighting a losing battle with everyone who uh, tests it and find, finds it coming up wanting, almost as if science was hard or something. Um, if we said no harm, no foul, you can walk away from that right now. There's plenty of people who'd go, oh, thank God, I don't have to push that barrow anymore. <laughs> That's a fucking COI. We should have a six-month six period, a grace period, where you can just go nuts. Where you're allowed to change your mind, change your mind in public, without your uh, the, the, your identifiable intellectual centre being called into question. 
It's like the loss of confidence project. A moratorium on judgment for uncertainty. That's that's it. Yeah. What's the leaderboard on that, James? (laughs) (laughs) Go start the leaderboards. Look, I don't want to be. This is. I, I don't know the fucking background. Look, maybe something like this is offered in good faith. Maybe it seems like a good idea to start with. Um, but and th- I'll, I'll I'll say this. There are a fucking million. I have talked to. How long have I been out? Nine months. I reckon I've had a dozen conversations with someone in a small company trying to do something in and around academic space. They never call me a second time because this is what I tell them. It's really, really hard to have an idea good enough that you're going to be offering someone something that they can jump on because this is all about these these small, collected organizations, not run by big platform sorts of people, not going after big platform sorts of approaches, your primary job is to convince people that it's in their best interests and it's in the best interests of the global scientific infrastructure that whatever you're proposing is implemented. That's your primary job. So to get the fucking code to work, if it's something that people really want and you should know by asking them, not by trying to read their fucking minds, which is a pretty basic version of how you start a small organization by doing research. And I tell these people, there is a just like the bodies within the valley of death of people who've tried doing something like this as their own unpaid initiative, as something funded from a grant, as a small organization, as a non-profit, or just a group of mates who were just just happened to be uh, sitting around one day, you know, and Brenda has a good idea, and we all go with that. History is littered with the fucking corpses of these ideas, and it's more so more so than in other areas. Honestly, there's no figures. In fact, the whole thing of you know, like so many businesses doing this fail within the first year. All those figures. I looked up the official government version, and I, I have to do a full analysis on that at some point in time because all of those figures are bullshit. It's equating things like software startups in San Francisco um, with like some lad who suddenly fancied he'd start doing uh, landscaping on the side and started an LLC and bought a truck in Modesto, California. Huge difference. Uh, yeah. Yeah, big, big, big differences. They just go small businesses. Could be a bodega, could be a bakery, could be a fucking SaaS company. They're all small at some point, right? They bang them all in together in the official statistics. It's, it's a mess. People try and scare you with this stuff uh, when you when you begin a startup. Oh, do you know how many of them fail? They tell you some statistic. You look it up. It's never, it's never, it's never fucking accurate. Um, the the point being, I mean, that's that's what I continually tell people, and everyone's convinced that their idea is better, and everyone's always wrong. Yeah, if you're in this space, um, regardless of how you're coming at the project, commercial or otherwise, academic or otherwise, what you really need to do is make a really good study of all the things that fucking worked. And what you'll find is that there's commonalities. 
between those. Strong commonalities. You're either saving people time, uh, you're either removing complications within a process, or you're making someone money. So let's go through some like schemes and initiatives that worked. Registered reports, publons, site.ai, doing well so far? Are all of these good? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zotero and Mendeley to a given value of small. Okay. Uh, let's let's think let's think of a few more. Um, OSF. What's that? OSF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Open Science Framework. Yep. Yeah. Well, according to the U.S. government, there's still. I mean, you could grow it five times, and it's still technically a small business, at least according to the Small Business Innovation Research definition. Um. What are they? Uh, ah, we're forgetting about our friends and former partners at Prolific. Prolific. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what are these things doing? They're all providing people with something that they want. Now, I've used all of these, and they're fucking good. I haven't used a registered report in the fact that I ever got to do one. But, I mean, I've given people advice on them. I've gone uh, upside down and uh, upside down around the way and up the arse on them. Honestly, uh, we had, we've had Chris on here to talk about it. Do you know how you get that started? Do you know how you get a scheme like that started? You'd be Chris and you go the entire way around what seemed like all of the UK and continental Europe, continually talking about it, bringing people on board, trying to form a community, trying to get people to agree that it's a good idea, talking to funders, talking to journals, talking to editors, talking to deans and important people at universities, talking to senior academics, talking to your colleagues, etc., 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 all right, why does site work as a business? Because it's fucking handy. If I'm reviewing something new now at my job, I use site all the time. Here's a list of all the things that have cited it. Even just click on it and here's all the context in which it was cited. The amount that you can tell just from those sort of like 30 words before or 30 words after or whatever it is, is amazing. Everyone always knew that there were huge problems with data collection on the internet and it's never going to be perfect. But Prolific comes along and they say people want to do digital research and you can control for the fact that there's people out there in click farms just making MTurk stuff up for fucking fun and money. Yeah, we can make that go away. Publons, no one's ever rewarded for doing so. You're solving problems for people. Now, I'm not saying that every community initiative has to like make money and be super helpful, but it's it's providing a tangible thing for people. It's not let's have the judgment initiative. <laughs> you know? Let's have the shaming initiative. There's, there's enough of that on the fucking internet. I don't think you need to formalize it and turn it into something. So let's think about how that could work. Let's think about how that could work. Okay, top of the head, here's a fun idea. Let's say we pick 100 people and we go through all this shit. Random or 
whatever. Whoever turns up, okay. the last person you got an email from, the guy down the hall, the dog named Boo, doesn't fucking matter. And we get a normative thing, and then we publish the distribution, and then we say, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to take everyone above 90%, and we're going to put their interview on this website, and we're going to send them a fucking prize, and we're going to call them on the telephone, and we're going to ask them for their experiences with this thing, and they're going to tell us why it's important to them and why it's easy in their field. And we're going to put that on fucking YouTube, and then we're going to talk about it. Uh, and then, you, and then, even 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 if there's nothing to it, we're going to put these people on a pedestal. We're doing things that everyone agrees are viable. We're going to judge anyone. We're going to find out the people who are doing it. I'm going to scream their names from a fucking mountaintop because they are doing extra work on top of what they're already expected to do, and they're doing it really well. And they're being, and you, and you know what? Maybe some of them are terse. Maybe some of them don't want to talk about it. Maybe some of them don't want to be your best friend. But at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, what you're doing is building a community full of people. And they're, they're talking to each other. And going, this is really important to me, and this is why. And here are the actual benefits. And there you are turning up, actually displaying what one unexpected, although it may be, and not related to their profession in some direct sense as it may be, but displaying a fucking benefit of what it is. And then you do that and then you go to a funder or you go to a government body or you go to a non-profit and you say, you're in this area, because they would be, presumably. Why don't we think about using this and having prizes for these people? Why don't we, have a, why don't we record all of their reflections and, and turn it into something and, and send it around? Why don't we find the youngest person on the whole fucking list and find out someone who became a grad student at 24 and wasn't so utterly devoted to their career that they forgot about how the broader scientific commons benefits from what they do? Okay, now we've done that. Now we've got a group of people that we've been really nice to because they've gone out of their way to provide assistive resources to other people. Now, Dan, is that a better idea than picking people at random and throwing rocks at them because they haven't done some shit? Yeah, huge difference. You're building a community and you're getting people on board from the get-go. Yes. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. It's it's not... It's not you. Trust me, as someone who's attempted to judge people quite a lot, and I would stand, having said that, I would stand merely on my record of the vast majority of those people being in any academic or sometimes legal sense very worthy of judgment. In general, it's not a good idea. In general, it's not going to enamor you to people who are around you. Do you know what I hope they do? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know who the fucking... I think I got an email about it. I, didn't, I have 12,000 unanswered emails. I used to be at inbox zero. I'm at inbox 12,000. Can you believe that shit? <laughs> um, my work email was at inbox zero. Um, I, I hope that uh, people people don't look at this and think, well... But the people who ran it are a bunch of assholes and they should all be thrown in the Indian Ocean and eaten by fucking hammerhead sharks. As much as, why didn't that work? That's the functional question that you ask. I mean, you, you try and keep the judgment to a minimum and you say, well, at least we say, this is, what, this is what my corporate life is like. Why didn't that work? Identify the problem. Don't kick anyone in the spuds. Figure it out. Why didn't it work? What's well, about this particular aspect. Okay, let's address that particular aspect. There may be someone listening to this or someone else who's not listening to this 
let's not exaggerate our fucking listenership numbers, <laughs> who, who is thinking of going into this area, please, please, please fucking listen to what I'm telling you. It's not even a matter of you catch more flies with honey, uh, more like you make more functional organizations with a basic, appreci- a basic appreciation of human fucking nature. Hmm. And when you do it in an area where people are already burned out on contention and fucking plague and everything else, and you go, let's have a go and be difficult about it, of course it's not going to work. You just, you just, there's a point past which I wonder, I don't know how sincere this is, um, but I hope they're not just sort of running up a flag so everyone yells at them and they get a good story out of it, which is a, a very tired media tactic basically at this point yeah i really should have looked more closely into this but um man i and you can tell you're looking at me how do i look dan <laughs> disheveled look, more than I usual look like a bag of shit <laughs> and it's not the it's not the fault of this excellent three floyd zombie dust one of my very very favorite breweries and I thought I, I thought I wasn't going to like it because look, that's a Lich King on the can, yeah, and that's very metal. And when people start appealing to that side of my nature, I start to instantly distrust the fact. Most of most of my beers have like austere labels with something unpronounceable and a thing in the middle of it that says like sour beer, and it's the best thing you ever had. And I rarely drink anything that has a Lich King on it, but God damn it, it is actually good. And it's it's well past five PM, so I'm allowed. But like more than that, trust me, it's this is not it's not the beer talking. It is look. I, I to final final thing. I hope everyone who thinks that this is this is a shit idea and they they couldn't have done better. I hope everyone who you know and the people involved are assholes and whatever else, whatever the context is. Um. I hope one day you get to experience the astonishing annoyance of trying to start anything with a kind of public identity from scratch. It gives you a lot more empathy for anyone doing this in any context because it's fucking hard and it's going to be a tremendous like ego blow to see what happened. I don't have any animosity over this, so it may be some continual frustration that people continually have good ideas in academic space, but they think that the good idea is enough. They publish a company like they're publishing a paper. They publish a scheme or an initiative like they're publishing a paper. You stick it out in the world and then wait three years and hope people cite it. It doesn't work like that. It's just people and empathy and that's it. Yeah? Your idea doesn't even need to be that good. Oh, I've got the most transformative idea. Fuckity fuck. Think about how you're going to relate to the people around you before you go, this is the best idea and no one's ever thought of it on the first. Because one, you're not the first, trust me. Two, that's not how it's going to be judged and perceived. I've talked a lot and it's partly because I've got like the tired, voluble thing going on here. I don't want to like roughshod on you because this is, I mean, this is actually... Like the, the the mechanics of this, whatever, are pretty interesting. There's a lot of shit hanging off the side of it, right? Tell us while I sit here and drink this beer what you think. 
if you look on the website of Curate Science, you can see that in parts of it that the intentions are good in terms of wanting to increase transparency and by putting together this thing, the idea is, or the, the original idea is that you would get this badge and you could put this on your website. And I think the vision for the idea of, for the concept of curate science is that some journals will eventually also adopt this to say this paper gets 90%, whatever, or this, or, or, or universities or funders would do this. Sorry, I, I, know, I, know, I know I said you talk, but clarification, I thought this was binary. I mean, what is like, how, how, do you, how do you get a percentage for an individual paper? I thought you, either you, it, no, it no, no. met binary criteria or it didn't. What am I misunderstanding? Sorry, so uh, I, I misspoke there. The oh, idea uh, would be that a, a, a particular researcher, whether it's on a funder level or, or an institutional level, would get a percentage, and that percentage is based on the amount of articles that would that would fulfil the criteria. Um, so the original idea was to reward scientists and say, "Hey, you can put your hand up and say." I happen to agree with these benchmarks and I think these benchmarks are good for my research and for, and for what I'm doing. Uh, on my website, you can put the widget on to say this. Um, and you know what? If, if you value these particular things and you think having a preprint, <laughs> having an open access article is equitable and that having open data is realistic for your research field and that you're very happy to have put, have stated your conflict of interest, then you can say those things. But all of a sudden, it seems to have more recently, it, it seems to have morphed into a, a, a stick of punishment that if you, and especially hearing these stories of a researcher being told, hey, St- if you don't story, comply with the story audit. Is plural? No, no, no. Story. There was one. Oh, right. There was one. Okay. Yep. Go yeah. On. Maybe. Yeah. But look, that there was, there was only, there was only 10 researchers originally there. And, this idea of highlighting people that haven't been doing the thing that you define. So if you look, if you look at this leaderboard, there's one researcher who was below 50%, which is the threshold that they've decided is, 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 is failing uh, their, 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 their criteria. So the and they're in a different. Australian undergraduate marking system where you fail is at 50%. It feels a bit fucking arbitrary, doesn't it? Yeah, so they've picked 50%. So if this was a, we want to reward researchers and offer, um, look, this this could have been another badge system. We, the thing is we already have badges for um, open data, open uh, open scripts, but the difference with that is is that's done for, by individual paper. But the idea is to make this something which is tied to a researcher and it's just simply not going to work, considering that researchers have different needs, and and um, you, you just can't have this the, these these global things for for a particular researcher, and it's so it's so psych, psych, psychology biased. It's just crazy. Like 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 you said, with maybe it's a, maybe it's a psychology initiative. I don't think either of us know uh, uh, what the the sort of focus of it was. But the, here's here's a, here's the thing, Dan. Could something like it work? If it was purely a not pointing out things that have gone wrong, but simply allowing people to say, if, if, if you want to put this on your website that um, I score 90% on this arbitrary thing, then then that's fine. But at least you can make it clear, uh, this is you saying, this is what I think is important when it comes to transparency. Whether that would actually increase 
or improve research transparency over and above what's already been proposed? I really don't know. These there's, these things are not new. And <laughs> frankly, researchers are, are sick of being, uh, being ranked, <laughs> whether it's a H-index, whether it's a, a gross number of publications or gross number of citations. Mm. Here number, of, is, number of papers in journals with an impact factor over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, yeah, <laughs> people don't want to see this kind of stuff. So, if I really like the approach that open science framework or the Center for Open Science has done for introducing these norms, it's not just about a lot of people think, oh, it's all about rewarding these practices, but they take a step back going, how can you reward these practices if you can't actually make it easy? But, and by making these things easier, both by providing the tools, but also by providing the education, people can go, hey, I can do this thing. This is something that I can do. If all of a sudden you jump like four steps to rewarding the thing without actually teaching people how to do it. Yeah, build, build, build the infrastructure. Hire, 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 hire a software engineer. We're going to wrap this one up. Thanks for listening to the show. We're we'll back again soon. We've got, uh, we've, we've got a special guest coming in. A former guest of the show will be coming back for our uh for our next episode so i hope you tune into that thanks for listening see you later